I'm excited today to actually conclude a series that we've been in uh, called The Roughest Apostle. Has it been good or what? Come on. Come on. Can we honor Pastor Jeff? I want to honor Pastor Jeff. He's preached some fire words three weeks in a row. We see you, Pastor. They are, uh, Pastor Jeff and Robbie are ministering elsewhere today, so you're stuck with me. I'm sorry. Here we go. Um, But like I said, we've been in a series called The Roughest Apostle. If you don't know, we've been talking about Peter. Come on, who loves Peter? I love Peter. I feel like if you if you heard a lot of my sermons, you're like, this guy always talks about Peter. It's because I am Peter. Um, and most likely, if you're being honest, you are too. Uh, Peter's like the most relatable person in the Bible. Um, I've never cut anybody's ear off, but we'll see where God takes me, okay? Right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but I'm excited. I want to go to 1 Peter, a, a book that he wrote. He writes to... Um, to persecuted believers in Asia Minor, and he's really writing to encourage them, to challenge them, to endure in their faith. Come on, to keep going in their walk with Jesus, to to continue to persevere, even though times are difficult, even though things are hard. He's, He's encouraging them and challenging them to endure in their faith. And I felt like God wanted me to encourage us today to continue in our faith, to continue to endure in our faith, to continue to go with Jesus, even into hard times, even in the middle of storms. Come on. How many know sometimes Jesus will lead you right into the middle of a storm? But what he wants you to know is that he's with you and that he's in control of the storm. He's got power over the storm. And I want to encourage some people today that we are to persevere in our faith, no matter what's happening, no matter what's around us, that we're to continue to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. I'm excited. Um, I don't know. Maybe if you're here and you're like, I don't resonate with that at all. Like life's really good right now. Um, That's cool. But like you could take notes and then you can use this in like a couple months when life gets hard again. Okay. That sound good. Uh, title my talk today, When Life is Messy. When Life is Messy. And it's provocative. Don't know what it means, but we're going to find out. <laughs> but I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about it that, that the Christian life is it's not always about conquering. Sometimes it's simply about enduring. And don't get me wrong. I, I love conquering. Okay. If you know, if you know me, you know, I like, I love to win. Okay. Some of you know me. You're like, yeah, that guy likes to win. I hate losing, and I love to win. I'm a sore loser, and I'm a sore winner. I'm like, don't play basketball with me, okay? It's just, it gets out of hand. Um, like, I love, I love taking ground. I love leadership. I love building. I love conquering. But there are seasons of life that are meant to endure, that are meant to persevere, that are meant to hold on. I feel like sometimes we see endurance as weakness, Like it's a weak season. Like I'm just doing everything I can to hold on. But can I tell you, the ability to endure actually shows me that you have incredible strength. It shows me that God's doing something on the inside of you. The ability to continue to remain faithful, to continue to walk with Jesus, to continue to believe him for what he's promised you. Come on, to begin to continue to stand on the firm foundation that is Jesus and continue fighting the good fight of faith. It takes strength. It takes community. It takes the grace of God. That's a sermon right there by itself. There's three points for you. No notes at all, but you can write those down. But come on, I want to encourage you today um, because I think that, honestly, I've been thinking about it, but like the older I get, the people I look up to are not like the people who have accomplished a bunch of things. They're the people who have just stayed faithful. 
They've just, they've stayed the course. They've just, they've remained. They're rooted. Like people that inspire me, people I look up to are people that have just been doing it for so long and they're just still faithful. Last Wednesday, Lisa and I, we celebrated nine years of marriage, which is awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Because that's always, you know, I take credit for that. Um, But it's not true at all. Um, But I was thinking about, you know, Lisa and I, this is, this is cheesy, but it's true, but we always talk about like growing old together, um, and, and I want to grow old with you, and I love you, and um, we've been married for nine years, but I started thinking about like, man, nine years is so special, um, but man, isn't there something special about people who have been married for 50 years? Come on, people married for 40 years, people who have been married for, for 60 years, Come on, is there anybody in here who's been married for 40 years? 50 years? Anybody for 50? Anybody for 60? Anybody? Nobody's 60? 55? Oh, 60 right here? Come on, if you've been married for... Can we honor these people? I mean, I'll be honest. Even if you've been married for 30 years, even if you've been married for 20 years, come on, somebody. It's, it, it, it's, it's something, it's, it, it's something to, to stay the course. To, to, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not, if, if that's not your story, I'm not saying that you did something wrong, okay? I'm just, I'm just talking about people who, who, who God has put together and... and and they know that it's the right thing. And they've remained faithful. They've remained on the course. Because let's be honest, enduring like when things are easy, that doesn't really count. It's kind of an oxymoron. Like, man, I endure like crazy, but nothing bad has happened to me. It's like, cool, that's awesome. But like, come on, how many know it matters? It counts when you can endure through difficult times, when you can endure through, through challenging seasons, when you can endure when life is messy. That's when it counts. And I think if we're being honest, we've all made a mess of a situation, right? Come on, anybody ever said something that you didn't really mean, but it just kind of came out? Okay, there's a bunch of liars in the room because you're just looking at me with a blank stare. Come on, somebody. You got to interact with me today. Come on, I know we've all been there. We all said something and we're like, I didn't mean, or like you say something and they take it the wrong way. I didn't mean it like that, right? We just kind of make a mess. I'm really good at making messes. Uh, or like, have you ever done something really dumb? And it's just like, it is what it is. I did that and it's stupid. One of my favorite uh, memories as a, as a child, I, was in, I thought it was fifth or sixth grade, I was um, with my dad, one of my favorite memories with my dad, which is, it's kind of a weird memory, but it's just, you know how some memories just stick with you? And then you're like, and then you forget like the important stuff. This is one of those like just weird memories. But we, we went to the greatest restaurant on the planet called Denise's Truck Stop. Never heard of it. It's because it's a secret. Okay. I'm not even gonna tell you where it is. I'll just say Texas. Okay. Good luck finding it. This was such a great restaurant. You would go to Denise's Truck Stop and guess who was there? Denise and my mom. My mom worked there too. Um, they made the best burgers on the planet. I don't think I've had a better burger today, but you know, it's like, it's nostalgia. I don't know what it is, but I just remember eating those burgers and it was like, this is the best burger I've ever had. And if you know anything about me, you know that I love ketchup. I love ketchup. Um, but have you ever been like, have you ever sat down for a meal and like you went to, you went to put some salt on your food and the, somebody like untwisted the top and you dumped the whole salt container like onto your food? Anybody? Anybody ever done that to somebody else? There it is. There it is. Mm-hmm. They got some siblings in here. Okay. Yep. Well, like I said, I, I love ketchup. 
and I, the, guy, the guy before me at lunch, uh, he forgot to screw the cap back on to the glass ketchup bottle. And you know, like when you pick up the ketchup, you got to shake the ketchup or else it's just like, it's just like water, like it's tomato water, like it's not tomato sauce, it's not ketchup, it's like water. So like my dad was sitting here and I'm sitting here across from him and behind me there was these big truckers. And I grabbed the ketchup and I just start shaking that thing, man. And my dad's like, stop! And I'm like, what, what? what's going on, what? Little did I know I was just like literally dousing these people with a bottle of ketchup. And they didn't beat me up because I was just a fifth grader, you know? It's like, it would have been rude. But like, odd story, but it's a good kind of, actually, I, I have time, I don't know if I have time, but I remember the, one of the first times I was ever over at my, my, my future wife's house because we weren't married at the time, and um, I hadn't met her dad yet. And, um, and um, there's, they live on the river, and, and, the, and the, the, there's like stairs that go down to the, do, to the dock. And like, for some reason, I was like, I'm gonna jump up on the railing and balance on it. You ever done something dumb? I jump up on the railing and it goes crack and it just like breaks. And I'm like, I'll see you later. <laughs> like, no, I think I helped fix it. But come on, we've all, those are, those are fun stories, but we've all, we've all done dumb things in life. We've all done, we've all said dumb things in life on greater scales than that. And I was thinking about, you know, it's one thing to make a mess in life, but what, what happens when you make a, a mess in your life with God? When you feel like you made a mess in your life with God? Or can I ask this, what is, what is God doing in the middle of our mess? I love this picture. I want to read it to you. It's out of Jeremiah. And God, he speaks a word to the, to the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 18. And I love this, this picture that he gets, and that, we, that we get to have. And I want to read it to you today. This is what it says. It says, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. He says, go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. And so I went down to the potter's house, Jeremiah speaking now, and I saw him working at the wheel. By the way, God is the potter, okay? If you didn't know. And this is what he said. I went down and I saw him working, but the pot that he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. It was spoiled in his hands. And so the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. And then the word of the Lord came to me. This is so good. He said, can I not do with you, Israel? As this potter does, declares the Lord, like clay in the hand of the potter, so you are in my hand, Israel. Come on, somebody. I came to encourage somebody today that when you feel like life is a mess, the thing that you think is a mess, the thing that you look at and you're like, it's a mess. I feel like a mess. My situation's a mess. I feel unusable by God. Can I tell you that God will use you in spite of your mess? Because listen to me, he gets glory in the middle of your mess. Come on, when God works his miracle working ways and he works his strength in your weakness and he gets glory in the middle of your mess, that thing that you try to hide, that thing that you don't want anybody to know about, that thing that you would look at and say it's a mess. Come on, God says that things in my hands and I'm working on it and I'm forming it and I'm shaping it and I've got you in my hand, Israel. I've got you in my hand, house of the Lord. I've got you in my hand, Stephen. So while you feel like your life is headed downward, can I give you a new perspective today? You're in the hand of God and he is shaping you. He's actually in control where you feel like things are not going according to plan. God's like, no, 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 this is actually going according to plan. I've got you in my hand. I've got you and I'm doing something. And I just felt like, I felt like 
today, I want to encourage some people to keep pressing on. I want to encourage some people to keep enduring, to keep persevering. If we're being honest, come on, it's hard. It's exhausting. I know some people that are exhausted, some people that are tired, some people, honestly, that are disappointed. But I'm telling you, if you'll, if you'll wait on God, you never know quite what God is doing if you'll just wait on Him. If you'll endure, if you'll remain, if you'll wait on God, you'll find out that God is working on you. And I want you to realize, maybe you know this already, but let me remind you or let me tell you for the first time that difficult seasons of life the pain that we walk through, the things that we look at and we feel like is a mess, can I tell you, they do not have to define your life. But rather, they can actually refine your life and help you become who God has called you to be. Can I say it like this? Messes in my hand often define me, but messes in God's hands often refine me. So we gotta, we gotta make sure we're, we're, we're putting our mess in God's hands. Whose hands, it in, whose hands it's in matters all the world to the, to the places we're, where we're going. And I want to encourage somebody, you're in God's hands today. That's not like a, hey, are, are, you, are you in God's hands? Can you, make, you need to make sure you're in God's hands. No, can I tell you, you're in God's hands. I'm asking God just to open our eyes, open our hearts and see that we've been in God's hands this whole time. So what I want to do today so I want to go a little deeper because I think Peter has something to say about what's really taking place when life is messy. Like, what's God up to while all I see is a mess, while all I see is dirt, all I see is a life or a situation that feels like it's under construction? What is God up to? I think if anybody can talk about struggles and pain and mess, it's Peter, right? It's me, right? I could talk about some struggles and pain, some mess, but I, I think Peter's got something today. So I just got three thoughts for you. If you're taking notes, I want to encourage you, but I, I want to challenge you too. Can I challenge you today? Yeah. Some of you are like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I want to challenge you a little bit today. But if you're taking notes, write down this. Number one, number one, I am being built. Somebody say that with me. I am being built. Oh, come on. Can we do better than that? I am being built. There we go. Now it's happening. All right. First Peter 2. I want to read out verses 4 and 5. Let's read this together. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. I want you to notice what, what, what Peter says as he begins this letter. He says, as you come to him, as you come to him, right off the bat, Peter is giving us this invitation to come to Jesus. And notice that what he's saying is not saying, he's not saying that you came to Jesus once. He's saying, as you continue to come to Jesus, I'm going to have you know, we don't just go to Jesus once. We continue to go to Jesus that I need him today more than I did yesterday. Come on, somebody. That I need him more and more every day. I need to continue to go to Jesus. 
And I love this word. It pops off the page, this word come, because I think it sums up our entire gospel. That it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you come from. God, I see him, and he's like, he's got his arms wide open. He's saying, all are welcome with me. I want you to bring your struggle. I want you to bring your burdens. I want you to bring your mess. I want you to bring your questions and your concerns and your doubts. Bring them to me. Can I tell you, all of you is welcome with Jesus. You don't have to just bring a part of you. You can actually bring all of you. I said this to the first service. I think it's so true that oftentimes when we come to church, we leave our messes at the door. Can I tell you where your messes belong? In the presence of God. In the presence of God. God wants all of you, friend. He wants the messy parts. He wants the dark parts. He wants the parts that you try to hide from everybody else. He wants the parts that you're ashamed of. He says, bring it to me. Why? Because I've got real freedom and real joy and real peace. And I've got a soul rest for you. He says, as you come to him. So I think a lot of, I think a lot of people think that going to Jesus is a one-time thing. But friends, Jesus is not just inviting you into a, into a one-time encounter. He's inviting you into relationship. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just have one encounter with God. I want to have daily encounters with God. I want to build on it. I want to get to know him more. I want to, go, I want to get closer to Jesus. I want daily encounters with God. Because it's not just about salvation, is it? It's about sanctification. God, Jesus actually wants to take you where he's going. I wonder, are you going where Jesus is going? Are you following Jesus? Because there's a sanctification process that's actually taking place where you're the clay and he's the potter and he's shaping you and he's molding you and he's, he's helping you become who he's called you to be. Somebody say amen. amen. So I, I, want, I want to point this out today because Peter, he writes, and this is what he says. Look at the language. He says that we are being built into a spiritual house. He doesn't say that you have been built. He says you are being built. Why is that important? Well, because what it says to me is that you're not done. You're in process. Come on. Been means done, but being means doing. Been means finished, but being means process. Been means complete, but being means I'm still working. Come on, God is still working on you. So I don't know if you're here and you're struggling with some sin. Maybe you feel like life is a mess. Maybe you feel like life is a struggle and it's hard. Come on, the struggle is real, somebody. Come on, somebody. But I want to encourage you that God is not done working on you. You are in process. You are being built into a spiritual house. Have you ever... Have you ever walked through like or driven through a, like a construction site and it was just a mess? Yeah. Again, anybody telling the truth today? Yeah. Construction sites are always a mess and they're frustrating, right? Which is the best part of my sermon today because nobody likes construction sites. Like you're like, oh, construction. Now it's going to slow us down, right? Because we don't like to be slowed down. But sometimes in life, we enter construction times. Sometimes in life, We enter seasons where we go under construction, where God's got to do work on the inside of us, where God's got to, he's got to tear some walls down so he can build something back up even stronger, where he's got to, the the, the site might look messy. See, now I was thinking about when somebody who doesn't really know anything about building, me, like walks into a construction site, it's like, what's going on here? Like, this is messy, man. Like, 
why is that over there and why are you taking that down and what do you do? This is like really unorganized and everybody's like really dirty. Like, can you like, like clean yourself up? Like, this is bad. Like, but how I mean, you know, to a contractor, come on, to an architect, they actually have the blueprint. They know what they're doing. <laughs> they know how the plan's going to come about. Come on, I came to encourage somebody today. Don't forget that we, our God is the, the great our architect of the universe. And he looks at you and he looks at me and he actually knows how you're going to come about. He has a plan for your life. He has the blueprints for your life. Come on, he knows you inside and out. He knows you beginning to end. The Bible says that before you were born, that he carved out a destiny for you specifically. He knows you and he knows what he's doing. Come on, do we trust? trust him today. That even in the mess, I trust him. Even when life doesn't seem like it's going the way I thought it should, I got to trust that God is working all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He's building you. He's building you. We got to keep going to Jesus. His invitation never changes, friend. His invitation remains the same. All are welcome with me. Somebody say, I'm being built. Are you still with me today, church? Okay, let's go to number two. Number two, if you take a note, you write, on a firm foundation. On a firm foundation. Let me read 1 Peter 2, 6 through 8. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. So can I tell you, it's not enough to know that you're being built. It's so important we ask this question today. What are you being built on? What are you being built on? Can I tell you, understand something about buildings? The foundation is arguably, arguably the most important part. Because if the foundation isn't correct and solid, how many of that building's in trouble? Right? I learned this week that like really tall buildings have to have really deep foundations. In other words, the, the higher you want to go in life, the deeper you got to go with Jesus. Because you can build that tower as high as you want, but if it doesn't have the proper foundation, that thing's going to come down. That thing's going to come down. Peter quotes the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. He says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. What's a cornerstone? It's another way to say a foundation. Isaiah is saying, Jesus is the foundation. See, Jesus is the cornerstone, and we are living stones, and we are being built on top of the cornerstone. Jesus is the foundation. Friends, can I tell you today, anything not built on Jesus will eventually crumble. Anything not built on Jesus will eventually crumble. If we're not careful, we will build our, mar- we will build our foundation on our marriage. If we're not careful, we'll build our foundation on money on stuff, on property. If we're not careful, we'll build a a foundation on a job or a career. If we're not careful, we'll build a foundation on reputation or renown or followers. And listen to me, all those things are not bad, but they are not foundational. Only Jesus is foundational. Only, listen, I don't want to build my house on the sand. I want to build my house on the rock. Because when the storm comes, I want my house to stand. 
I want my house not to crumble. I want my house not to topple over. And we got to be careful. Are you building your life on Jesus? The funny thing about foundation is like, when a foundation is good, nobody notices. When a foundation is bad, everybody notices. Right? Like, this is, like, something's not going right. Why? Because houses fall over and build it, buildings are compromised, trees tumble over. Lives fall apart when foundations are bad. Like, foundations are hidden, right? You can't see, nobody's like, bro, bro, you got to come over to my house and check out this foundation. It's sick. It's dope, right? My foundation is fire, as the kids would say these days. Not a youth pastor anymore, so I don't know the lingo. Right? Nobody, unless you're like, I don't know, a contractor and he's your contractor buddy and you're like, hey, you want to check out the foundation? It's pretty sweet. I, but for normal people, though, like, I've never been invited to come check out somebody's foundation. Like, hey, bro, you want to come in my crawl space? Like, no. I, I don't at all. Like, what are you going to do to me? <laughs> this is weird. In fact, I, I'm, 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 I'm busy. I got to go. Um, right? Because the foundation, it, it, it's hidden. Nobody can see it. So here's a question only you can answer today. What are you building your life on? Are you building your life on Jesus? That's a great question, Pastor Stephen. Well, what does it actually mean to build your life on Jesus? Thanks for asking. I see you. Did you? They asked that. I didn't ask that. They asked that. It's really simple. See, you will never build a life on Jesus if you never let him disagree with you. That one hurt. That was like a gut punch. That one hurt me earlier in the week, okay? Some of you are just like getting upset with me. Can I challenge you today? Come on. If you never let Jesus disagree with you, if you never let Jesus contradict you, you're not building your house on Jesus. You're building it on something else. Can I ask you this today? When was the last time Jesus disagreed with you? Actually, now that I think about it, never. Huh. It's interesting. It is all, we always get along. Jesus is so great. Everything I think he thinks is awesome. We have an awesome relationship. Um, it's crazy because what I've found is my, my deepest relationships often produce my deep, deepest disagreements. So I wonder, did you just go to Jesus once and now he's an area of your life? Or are you building your life on Jesus? Is Jesus the foundation of your life? Because if Jesus is the foundation of your life, there are times in life where you're like, you want me to do what, God? What? Are you kidding me? Uh, No, thank you. Okay, sure, I'll do it, Lord. Right? Come on. I think, I think this is really scary because we've got people in 2022 that think Jesus is on their side. Because that's what we're doing in 2022 now, right? We take sides on everything. What side are you on? What side are you on? Oh, oh really? Okay, well, I'm over here. And Jesus is over here. Yeah, that's right. He's on my side. Friends, can I tell you, that is a scary place to be. I don't, I'm not trying to get Jesus on my side. I'm not trying to get Jesus to agree with me. No, no, friend, I'm trying to get on Jesus' side. I'm just trying to agree with Jesus. I'm just trying to find myself aligned with Jesus. I'm just trying to find myself building on a firm foundation that is Jesus. 
So his ways must become my ways, and his thoughts must become my thoughts, and his outlook must become my outlook. His perspective must become my perspective because I'm following him. I'm going where he's going. I'm allowing him to lead me. I'm not hardening my heart. No, I'm softening my heart, and I'm saying, God, whatever you want to do, I trust your leading. I trust your calling. I trust what you're doing in my life. I'm surrendering to you. See, come on, anybody with me? If, when somebody like is mean to you, you don't really like to be nice back. Come on, somebody. We're being honest in church. But that's not what Jesus called us to be. If somebody offends you, it's like sometimes it feels good to be offended. It feels good to be like, yeah, so-and-so did this and I'm just over here. But that's not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is forgiveness. The way of Jesus is reconciliation. The way of Jesus is a peacemaker. Can I be honest with you? I don't always feel like serving. I know it's crazy. I know that's shocking. (laughs) But I know what Jesus has called me to. And I also know what he's graced me to. Everything that he's called you to do, friend, he will grace you to do. And as we walk with Jesus, he corrects us. And as he corrects us, he begins to build us on a firm foundation that is himself. He's building us on a firm foundation. You guys still with me? Okay, just checking. Anybody watching the game? Okay, I am. No, I'm kidding, that's weird. <laughs> Preseason! Um, let's go to First Peter 2 and read verses 9 and 10. Some of my favorite scripture in all the Bible. Listen to this, maybe you heard it before. He says, but you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people. Somebody say, but now. You're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy. Somebody say, but now. You have received mercy. So I'm being built on a firm foundation. Number three, are you ready? To glorify God. To glorify God. See, it's not enough to know that you're being built. It's not enough to know it's on a firm foundation. We got to know why. And the why is not so that you can survive. The why is not so that you can be a good Christian. The why is not so that you can just make it to heaven. No, no, no. The why is to glorify God. Your sole purpose in life, church, is to bring glory to God. Our sole purpose in life is to bring glory to God. Not just in the good times, but in the bad times is where it really counts. It's where it matters the most. Peter, he says this, he says, to declare the praises of God. I don't know about you, church, but I don't want to just wait till my life is squeaky clean and perfect to praise God. I want to praise him from the middle of my mess. I want to praise him from the middle of my pain. I want to praise him in the middle of the struggle. I want to praise him from this broken earth, from this broken vessel. I want to declare that God is good, that God is faithful, and he's going to get glory from my life. Come on, somebody. Is he going to get glory from your life? Because you're being built on a firm foundation to glorify God. It's our whole purpose. Well, isn't our purpose to like get married? Maybe. Maybe for most of us. But your marriage should bring glory to God. 
Can I say this? Your singleness should bring glory to God. We got to stop. This is not my message, but we got to stop looking at singleness as something just to get out of and understand that even in my singleness, I can bring glory to God. Well, isn't, isn't part of my, you know, my, my calling, like my job and, and my career? Sure, absolutely. But your job and your career should bring glory to God. What about raising kids? Absolutely. But as you raise kids, it should be to, do, to, to the glory of God. Should I make a bunch of money, Pastor Stephen? Yes, go for it. Make a bunch of money. <laughs> but make sure your money brings glory to God. And give me some. <laughs> what? everything we do should be to bring God glory I said this in the first service but I think it's relevant for the second some of you are going to go eat pizza later and you need to do it to the glory of God I prophesy (laughs) somebody I don't know who that's for but you need to receive that okay somebody going to go eat some Chinese food some Mexican food eat a turkey sub, just to the glory of God. (laughs) See, because it doesn't matter what you're doing. The Bible says, do everything as unto God. Do everything as if you're doing it for Jesus. And maybe I'm being a little, like, you know, facetious with the the pizza, but like, come on. I don't want to just bring God glory in the the big things. I want to bring God glory in every detail of my life. Do I fail? Absolutely. (laughs) But what's my goal? What's my aim? It's to bring God glory. And some of us, if we're being honest, we're really discouraged because we're really aware of everywhere that we fail. We're really really aware of of all of our shortcomings. We're we're aware of of all of our failure. uh, We're aware that, and and we're we're convinced that we're disqualified. We look at the, I feel like this, this picture that Jeremiah gives us is such a good picture. Because so many times we look at our life and we're like, yep, that's my life. I'm like, I'm like that spoiled clay. And what you thought is that God would just be done with you and get some new clay. In fact, I think preachers have stood on stages across the, the world and even preached that. That man, if, if you don't let God use you, he'll just find somebody else. God he might he might find some more people absolutely but can I tell you can I encourage some people today the reason you should endure the reason you should keep going on the reason you should persevere the reason you should fix your eyes on Jesus is because of the truth that you are in the hands of God and if you're in the hands of God he's not done working on you He's not done, he's not done forming you. He's not done shaping you. He's not done loving on you. He's not done breathing life and purpose into you. Come on, somebody. He's not done. You are being built on a firm foundation to glorify God with your life. You're in process. He's working. He's doing it. Come on. He's going to work all things together for good to those who are called according to his purpose, to those who love him being built no matter what your life looks like you're in his hands and I love Peter because this is no no take a moment and see what God says about you because if we're being honest some of us are so bad at receiving encouragement anybody else 
Come on. Somebody will encourage you and you like out loud you say, thank you. But in your head you're like, that's a lie. Be like, give you, give you a, a compliment, give you an encouragement. You're like, oh, thanks, thanks, bro. But in your head you're like, they're just being nice. They're just being Christian. Stinking Christians. Just being Christian. Anybody else? And I would, I would say that's why you need encouragement all the more. Some of us, we're so discouraged, but can we stop for a moment today and just listen to what God has to say about us? This is what he says. He says, for you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. I don't feel that. You're a holy nation. You are God's special possession. I love that picture that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Listen to this, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Some of my favorite verses in all the Bible are conjunctions. You were one way, but God. Now you're this way. But God, yet God, and God, so God. I believe that God's grace is God's conjunction on your life. Where the devil came and tried to put a period, God comes and he, he, puts, a, he puts a comma. That's his grace. He comes and he says, I know you were one way, but God, now you're this way. Once you were not a people, but now you're a people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Once I was blind, but now I see. Once I was lost, but now I'm found. Once I was dead, but now I am alive. Come on, somebody. Once I was an orphan, but now I'm a son. Once I was an orphan, but now I'm a daughter. Once I was nothing, but now I'm God's special possession. Some of you need to, some of you need to get that in your, your spirit. Because I say that and it just bounces off of you in the spirit. I see it. I feel it. You are God's special possession. I would encourage you and challenge you for the rest of the day. Speak that over yourself until it begins to sink in, man. Because it's the truth and the reality of scripture that God looks at you and he's like, oh, I love them so much. You're my special possession. God looks at you and you see a mess, but oh, but God sees a masterpiece. You see something that's unusable, but God sees somebody who's usable. Because come on, isn't this Peter's story? This is Peter's story. I was talking about the first service because I think it's so funny. I think if Peter was here today in 2022, we would like, we would not see Peter as qualified to even lead a ministry in 2022. Uh, this is the leader of the early church, by the way. But if Peter was here today, we'd be like, let's consider Peter, you know, Maybe Peter could lead that ministry. I think he could do a good job. Oh, I don't know. He's pretty impatient and hot-tempered. And did you hear? He cussed out a little girl. Some of you are like, I did that last week. No, I'm kidding. Oh, you think that's bad? I heard he cut a dude's ear off. This is not the kind of guy you want leading a ministry, right? Like, don't make Peter mad. He might cut your ear off. Although I think we all need some friends like that. They're just like willing to cut somebody. Like, 
don't talk about my friend. Okay, I'll cut you. Okay, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> my goodness, though. Come on, if Peter was here in 2022, we would be like, I don't know about this Peter guy. Yikes. But can I tell you the difference between what everybody else saw in Peter versus what God saw in Peter? When God looked at Peter, he said, I see who you can become. Peter, I'm going to use you to lead people. I'm going to use you to set people free. I'm going to use you to save people by the, by the gospel. I'm going to use you to heal people. I'm going to use you, Peter, because I know what everybody else sees when they look at you. But when I look at you, Peter, I see a solid rock upon which I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Come on. When God looks at you, he sees who you can become. And I think this is why we should never write people off. This is why we should stop canceling people because you don't have the blueprints for somebody else's life. You don't know what God is doing in them. You don't know what God is working on the inside of them. We got to stop writing people off. Oh, church, we got to stop canceling people. You have not been given license to cancel. You have been given license to love. You have been given license to lift people out of darkness, to lift people out of shame, to, to come on, to build people, to equip people, to cover people, to pray for people, to serve one another, to love one another, to excuse each other's mistakes, to give one another grace. That's what you've been called to do. We are called to be the light of the world, not the cancelers of the world. You know, Paul writes to the church in 1 Corinthians, oh, he so funny because because he says he, he basically in essence says stop judging the world start judging each other but judging is not really a good word because that it has different connotations today but what he's saying is stop trying to call the world higher they don't know any better start calling each other higher we got to stop trying to cancel everybody that's not what you've been called to do no you've been called to be light of work light of the world You've been called to lift and to love and to equip and to pray and to serve. And I just think today in a day and age where we live with so much division, with so much hurt and pain and struggle, friends, church, we've got to contend for unity. We don't have time to be divided. We don't have time. Because can I tell you, there are people all over the world that if they are in Christ Jesus, they belong to God. Whether you believe it or not, it's true. I know, I'm going to be really bold again. Don't throw stones at me. But there are Democrats that belong to God. What did he just say? How dare he? Where's the stones, right? It's like, calm down. Yeah, it's true. Whether you believe it or not, there are Republicans. I know it's crazy, but they belong to God. Like, how dare he? We are Republicans. Okay, calm down. Come on. There's people all over the world. There's people from different countries that they belong to God. There's black people and white people and brown people and people who have blonde hair and people who have red hair and people who have no hair come on they belong to god 
they're God's people. There's rich people and poor people and people that got their life together and people that don't got their life together and people who, who, who they, come on, you, you look at them and you think there's no way, but they belong to God. There's people that come from across the tracks. There's people that are outcasts. There's people that have been marginalized and they belong to God. Come on, somebody. They belong to God. There's celebrities that belong to Jesus. It's true whether you believe it or not. There's people who don't see the world like you see the world, but they belong to Jesus. And I think, whoa, what an opportunity for the church in 2022 to stop canceling people, but to actually step in and begin to give each other grace, to begin to excuse other mistakes, because you don't know the blueprint, brother, everybody's life. You don't know what God's doing in everybody else. All you know is what God's doing in you. And where we want grace, we often want to just give justice. Give me grace, but justice on that guy. I'll take the grace. I'll take the forgiveness. Oh, justice. I don't know who this is for today. But God looks at Peter. He says, I know what everybody else sees. I don't know who this is for. I know what everybody else sees. I know what you see. When you look in the mirror, I know what you see but you don't see what I see. I see who you can become. How much glory has Peter brought to God? Have you thought about it? 2,000 years later, how many times have we said something like, hey, if God could use Peter, he could use me. Yeah, how much glory, Can can I tell you? God gets glory in the mess. God gets glory in your brokenness. God gets glory in the pain. God gets glory in the struggle. God gets glory in the mess. He does. Come on, can we stand to our feet all over this place? Can we close our eyes? Can we lift our hands? Or just open up our hearts, posture your heart just to receive from God? I just feel like I want to declare this over you, friends. Church, there might be a mess, but now you're chosen. There might be a mess, but now you are royal, (laughs) now you are holy, now you are God's possession, now you are called out of darkness and into his light, come on somebody, so you can declare his praises, come on, I'm being built on a firm foundation so that I can glorify God, so that I can glorify God, can we give God a big shout of praise all over this place? Can we give him glory today? Can we begin to sing? Come on, we're going to lift our hands and we're going to worship God. Because he's faithful and he's good and he's working all things together for good. Come on, church, sing out. Thank you, Jesus.
God, you can change our perspective today. God, you can change our heart today. You can change our life today. Holy Spirit, we just ask, come and have your way. Come on, when you hear the voice of God today, don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. Open up your heart to him today, church. Open up your heart today to him. And God, I thank you that all over this room, the different stories, different messes, different circumstances, different opinions, God, different perspectives. And Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you are the answer to every single one of our messy situations. Render to you, God. Thank you, Jesus. While you're here, I just want to give you an invitation today talking about following Jesus. I think it's a great day to follow Jesus. What a great day to start the foundation and build your life on Jesus. If you're here today and you've never made a decision, I want to give you a chance just to make a decision to, to surrender your life to Jesus. To say, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want, to, I want to give you every area of my life. I want you to build me. The Bible says it's a free gift of salvation. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You can't do anything to get it except simply believe that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of your life. One day he's going to come back. One day he died on a cross for our sins. He rose from the grave. He ascended to heaven and one day he's coming back for his people. I just want to, I want to pray. If anybody, you're here today and you're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. Would you just lift your hand so I could pray with you? Thank you, sir. Thank you. Come on. Come on. Today's your day. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. I see both of you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Isn't that wonderful? Come on. Can we just say welcome to the family? Come on. Bible says angels in heaven are rejoicing. Thank you so much. That's awesome.